Well, amen. If you would please tonight in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number, chapter number 8, if you would please. And uh, just a, a real blessing. As you know, uh, our bus ministry and outreach ministry has kind of come to a slow woe. But that's just what the devil thought. Because they went out this morning and had four professions of faith. Uh, in a trailer park this morning. God bless you folks who went out there and knocked on those doors and, and uh, preached to those folks. And I guess one of the women in the, the main cog, I think, she got saved, didn't she, this morning? They made a profession of faith. And uh, we were working and ministering in a different situation and a different time. Wouldn't be nice if we sent all six of our air-conditioned buses out and bring 100, 200 kids in so we can minister to them. But uh, that's not what's working now. That's just not what's going now. And uh, I don't think God has us here to let people die and go to hell. I really don't. I believe we ought to to take advantage of the situation. Amen. Let me read for you just a few verses tonight. That way, if I don't say anything of importance, you can't say you didn't get anything out of it. Okay? Going to begin reading verse number 26 of the book of Acts, chapter number 8. And we'll read through almost the remainder of the chapter tonight. And uh, I'll tell you the text and the topic in just a moment. But please be in prayer for our, for our church. Uh, decisions have to be made. And um, I ask you to pray for Brother Andrew and myself as we... Make decisions on such things as Sunday school and and uh, big days and uh, soul winning and so forth and so on. There's lots of decisions to be made, and I hope that you will pray. And if you pray hard enough, even if you don't agree with the decisions, you'll have a right spirit about when we're doing it anyhow. Amen. And who knows? You may agree with every decision. But it's kind of hard to pray and have a bad spirit about a situation. So uh, please be in prayer about that. And uh, I trust that uh, you'll do that. I'm excited about the future of our church. I, I'm, I'm, I watch uh, my grandkids sing the hymns as we stand. And uh, I don't know how many of the words Caitlin knew, but she is humming them right along anyhow. And uh, I didn't see Bailey. Um, I think Bailey was singing too, you know, uh, but uh, <laughs> she see her wave at me and said, cool it, Paul, cool it. Time to hush up. All right, verse 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go south, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Cadus, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, and was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. 
And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah that saith, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare that his generation for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this. Of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, Thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip. That the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Let's pray, please, and ask the Lord to help as we feebly try to preach his word this evening. Our Father, tonight, we thank you for the testimony of those four that made a profession of faith today as a result of those who were there praying and preaching. And Lord, I pray that you continue to bless that ministry. Lord, we're in the midst of change, in the midst of turmoil. And Lord, we just, our hearts will break within us. Our testimony will dry within us if we don't constantly see lost people come into the Savior. So, Lord, I pray, don't let the candle go out. Don't let the fire cease. Our desire to see people saved, desire to do that which you would have called us to do. And, Lord, if it was good enough for me, it's good enough for anybody. I pray tonight you'd help us in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The desire to share our Lord Jesus with uh, other people should be a natural for every Christian. Every Christian and every person I know loves to talk about what we love or who we love. And if we love Jesus, I believe it will come just absolutely uh, easy to talk about Jesus. You know... We love to talk about what we love, and many of us don't mind talking about our grandkids. You ever notice that? 
Everybody else's grandkids are brats except ours. And we love to talk about our grandkids. We love to talk about our children. I notice many of you guys don't mind drumming up a conversation about uh, uh, football and uh, what them you guys are doing, uh, fantasy football, and I can see four or five of you in the office. And you're drafting this one, and you're giving this one, that one, and and you spend hours just talking about fantasy football. I'm sure it's not because you hate fantasy football. It might be because you kind of love fantasy football. Somebody told me the other day, you've even got our missionaries involved in that dumb stuff. Or our missionaries got some of you guys involved in it. I don't know which one. But, you know, you, you love. we'd love to talk about what we love. Uh, we love to talk about deer hunting. If we're getting any deer, if we're getting skunked, we don't like talking too much about that. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, you've got to be careful. But it's extremely easy to turn inward toward uh, the things that we talk about and the things we are excited about. It becomes extremely easy to turn inward and become focused on ourselves instead of other things and other people, if you've noticed that. And the early church had done that. This church in which we talked about had done that. Now I want to show you what I'm talking about. And if you'll take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And we get our Lord's clear clear commission and clear command to the church there in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I want to show you what's happened to the church. I want to talk to you about seizing the opportunity. Instead of complaining about how things are changed. Seizing the opportunity. Instead of complaining about how things have changed. Watch this. Jesus is speaking. And he says, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. Both. In Jerusalem, and all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now you got that. Jesus said, I want you to be witnesses. These are 120 folks that met up, up upstairs in the church. Twelve disciples, then up to the uh, upper room. And he's given them the commission. He said, now, I want you to go up to Jerusalem. I want you to tarry there and wait. Until you be endued with power from on high. Now that power from on high is going to be able to make you capable of being witnesses unto me. Now notice the where. In Jerusalem, both in Judea, in Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Is that what your Bible says? All right. Good deal. Well, let's check her out. Would you do that? If you go to the book of Acts, chapter number uh, uh, 2 and verse 41, and you'll see there, there are 3,000 folks saved in one service. 3,000 folks were saved in one service. And 3,000 folks were baptized in one service. But now I ask you where... 
was the service held. It was Jerusalem. You got that? You go to Acts chapter 4 and verse number 4. And you'll see 5,000 men get saved. Truly a witness. Truly somebody's been doing something. But I ask you the question, where did that take place? In Jerusalem. So we got 3,000 saved, 5,000 saved, and just a few chapters, but they're all in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 5 and verse 14, please. And we see here that multitudes... Both men and women were saved. 5,000, 3,000 multitudes now has been saved. But where have those thousands of folk been saved? Jerusalem. Amen. Now, should you turn again to, in your Bible to the book of Acts and chapter 5 and verse 42, and you'll see there multitudes, men and women. But where? In Jerusalem. Acts chapter 6, if you would please, and verse number 7, the Bible said that they witnessed and won people to the Lord daily, but where? In Jerusalem. We've got a problem. We've got a problem. Everybody doing what God wants them to do where they want to do it. God has a dilemma. Well, how does God deal with a dilemma? Think of the blessings. Think of the church growth. Think of what kind of church this must have been. What in the world is God going to do to get those folks out of Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth? How is God going to get those folks sensitive to what God wants them to do? And where God wants them to do it? You say, well, preacher, I'm in church. Uh, these folk were too. Let me show you what happens when we disobey God. And God's going to get our attention. Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. What in the world can God do to get this bunch of folks soul winning, preaching where he wants them to preach instead of settling down, down at Jerusalem, building their big buildings, having their worship services, changing the music program. Everybody's enjoying going to church. What is God going to do to get the thing running again? Verse 1, chapter 8. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they that were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 4, Therefore, 
They that were scattered abroad went everywhere doing what? Do you realize that God is still able to get our attention? And do you realize that you may not like God's remedy for the solution? Could it be possible that this church, instead of obeying God, has now begun to look inwardly? And they're just satisfied with worshiping God. And coming to church one time a week. No Sunday school. Just one time a week. And God is perfectly pleased with us. While we've had 3,000 saved, 5,000 saved, multitude saved. But God loves other cities too, other than Jerusalem. And God hang, not hung up on Joshua. Have we lost our sensitivity to what God's Holy Spirit wants us to do? And where God wants us to do it? You see... Great blessings are taking place. And churches as well as individual Christians must seize every opportunity to share the gospel. Brother Brian and Brother Jim and the folks that works our bus ministry, they don't have to go out there Sunday morning and knock on doors and try to get a crowd and you, you say, well, it might be kind of discouraging. Probably was. Three weeks ago, didn't have anybody. Nobody came. I mean, <laughs> they came back, and I bet you they were thrilled to death, don't you? After they visited and worked and whatever. What I'd like for everybody to do tonight is stop looking within and start looking out. Stop looking in and start looking around. Stop doing our thing and begin to do God's thing. God's way where God wants it done. Tonight our text contains a divine appointment. And I believe with all of my heart, God has divine appointments and, uh, and opportunities all around us, if you would please. Notice, if you would please, I read the rest of Acts chapter 8. Down at verse 5. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ unto them. That's what God wanted him to do. And the people of one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip uh, spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed by the, with them, and many taken with, with pauses and uh, were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. If you should read on, you'll find a miracle working, going on. A revival is taking place over there in Samaria. And all of a sudden, one day, God says to Philip, Philip, I want you to go down 
uh, down south. I want you to go down uh, to a way called Gaza, out in the desert. I've got something I'd like for you to do down there. I wonder if Philip, I wonder if Philip might not be a little surprised when he is in the middle of a Holy Ghost earth-shaking revival and scores are being saved and God is moving and the Spirit of God says, I'd like you to leave here and go down and minister to that one. Now, I just wonder, is there any room in our lives for sensitivity to what God wants us to do? And are we willing to take advantage of God's opportunity that he opens to us? Now, I want to show you something real quickly out of this text. I want to show you taking advantage, seizing the opportunity. Sometimes opportunities go around disguised as hard work. That's the reason so few folk take advantage of opportunities. Sometimes opportunities go around disguised as failure. Maybe I won't be able to do this and what will folk think of me? Many times opportunities go around disguised as, uh, well, who me? It was that way 34 years ago. When I had no place to preach. And she had prayed me out of a place to preach. And I'm sitting on my front porch. And somebody says. Why don't you start a church? I'm 50. Why should I start a church? I've preached all over the country. I've been preaching now. For now on I don't know how many years. Why should I start at the bottom? Why don't I wait to get a big pastorate someplace where the preacher stole all the money and I take over and try to bring it out of the hole again? Opportunities sometimes don't look so easy. Sometimes it would be better to stay in Samaria and just suck up the blessings of God unless God wants you to do something else. Unless God wants you to do it someplace else. So I want you to watch what goes on now. I want to just give you this. I want you to see in verse 27 and 28. Watch this. A searching sinner. A searching sinner. Verse 26. Verse 27. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Cadus, queen of Ethiopians, who had the charge of all the treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, and was running and returning and sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, if I read those two verses... I would say if this eunuch was in charge of all the treasures down in Ethiopia, he was probably dressed pretty neat. 
He wasn't your average run-of-the-mill guy running up and down the road because he was in his Mercedes chariot. Everybody didn't have a chariot. Most of the folk walk well-to-do, high esteem. Well, I feel real uncomfortable talking to people who, you know, doctors or lawyers or somebody with a Mercedes. Why? Hell's going to be just as hot for them as anybody. Amen. They put their britches on like we do. And so here is an opportunity. Here is a man sitting in a chariot reading a book. And Philip has been sent down there. And probably if Philip had been a member of the Joshua Baptist Church, he would probably said, well, he won't believe me anyhow. I mean, look how he's dressed. Look how I'm dressed. Look what he's driving. Look how I'm walking. Is anybody here? Are you listening to me tonight? An opportunity that can be misconstrued. This man is searching for God. This man has traveled, some have say, 1,200 plus miles to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to worship. And he's reading a copy of Isaiah 53. He is a searching sinner. He is a man on his way to hell. He is a person who's eat up on the inside with conviction. He is there. This eunuch is respectable. Verse 27. He is successful. Verse 28, he is religious, verse 27 and 28, but he is religiously, respectably lost and is on his way to hell. How many of those will we pass this week? How many of those will we say no to the Lord? How many of those will we pass up because we're busy doing our things? But now let me ask you this. If you should pass somebody this week and something within you would say, maybe I need to give them a track. What in the world would ever cause you to have that thought? Well, it's because I'm compassionate. No, you're not. You're a sinner saved by grace. If something should ring out in your soul and that would say, I wonder if they're on their way to hell. I wonder if they're saved or not. I wonder what would make you a lost, hell-bound sinner even think that. Could it be the Spirit of God? Could it be God's Spirit is bearing witness with your spirit? And we have lost all the sensitivity of God's lead in in our life. And we miss opportunity after opportunity. Sure, we're under a pandemic. Sure, we can't go to church. But hey, we need to get them saved anyhow. Amen. Amen. We settle down here in la-la land and not do anything. We will be the loser as sure as the world. He had traveled a long way. And now he sits there in a chariot, reading, searching 
longing for that empty place in his soul to be filled. And Philip said, well, you're not of my nationality. Maybe we need to call somebody from the First Baptist Church of the Ethiopians to wait on you. Anybody here? Is there a chance at all that we have passed anybody this week and the Holy Spirit of God quickened a thought in our heart? That's what's known as being led of the Spirit. But when we do not respond correctly, we grieve the Holy Spirit. And after so long, he just quits talking to us. This crowd was obeying God, sure enough, but on their own terms. God was blessing this crowd, but on their own terms. But God said in chapter 8 and verse 1, it's time for you to get out of Jerusalem and start being a witness unto me like I asked you to do earlier. Uh, searching sinner. And the excuses are plentiful. I, I, I can come up with all kinds of excuses, can't you? Come on now, say Amen. We come up with all kinds of excuses why we can't go to the chariot. Why, well, after all, he probably won't say yes after all. Won't listen to me after all. Near season. You know what I pointed John. Didn't point me and Andrew. No, sir. I'm not hunting yet. I'm too spiritual. I'm just, I asked a member of our church this past week, a spiritual man. I mean, a spiritual giant he is. I said, aren't you bow hunting? He said, no, I'm tired of watching them deer run off of my arrows stuck in them. <laughs> Besides that, the arrows are expensive. A searching sinner. Notice I would like to leave you this. A sensitive soul owner. Verse 25, 26, 26 and 27. Notice, 26, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, well, preacher, if an angel spoke to me, I'd do it. If the Spirit speaks to you and you don't do it, you wouldn't do it if the whole crowd of angels came. Amen? I'm not preaching at you tonight. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to all of us. The pandemic should not have tightened our, to our tongue so that the gospel is the biggest secret kept at Joshua Baptist Church. Amen. Amen. We don't need to blame the pandemic for our silence. We can still talk. We can still cry. We can still shed tears. We can still come with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. Notice, if you would please, verse 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, toward the way which goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. And he arose and went, behold, a man of the Ethiopian, a eunuch of great authority, unto Cadus, queen of the Ethiopians. 
he had the charge of all the treasure that come to Jerusalem for the worship. A sensitive soul winner. This is exactly what a seeking sinner needs. Needs somebody who will get here early on Sunday morning. Get the trailers ready and snow cone machines ready. Tents ready. Vans ready. Have a meeting and pray. Dear God, lead us to some sinner today that will accept the message. Down the road to go, missing the morning worship service. Not enjoying all the glad tidings that we enjoyed today because they're sensitive to sinners without the Lord. And they go and they knock doors and they knock doors and they knock doors try to get just a few folk together. Somebody preaches and seeking sinners respond to the message. You see, when God deals in your heart, more than likely he's also dealt in the sinner's heart. God always works on both ends. You agree with that? I said, do you agree with that? Notice, if you would please, Philip could not have allowed reason to reign in his life. After all, in verse 8, there was great joy in the city and great things were going on. It's always a good, good reason not to do what I'm talking about tonight. But the sinner was open, and so was the soul winner. He was obedient. He seized the opportunity. And verse number 30 says that Philip did not walk hither, but he ran and heard what he is reading, prophet Isaiah. Let me help you tonight. There's opportunities abounding all around us. We can't visit them in the home because the camera's on the doorknob now won't let them open my door. Are we just going to let them die and go to hell and tell God when we get there? Well, he wouldn't let me in anyhow. That's the reason I didn't go visit them. We pass people every day. We talk to people every day. How do you know that it's not by divine appointment that God has you where you are, speaking to whom you are speaking? A seeking, a seeking sinner, sensitive soul winner, and a supernatural salvation. Let me close with this. I should have closed a little while ago. Verse 40. The Bible says this. 
And Philip was found at, or verse 39, when they were come up out of the water. Now, preacher, does baptism save us? No. Look at verse 37. Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's all it takes to be saved right there. Baptism confirms salvation. Now, if you have dealt with as many bus children as I have over these 50-some years, and I've had bus ministers ever church I have ever run in, You'll get that after a while. My second church, the only thing that the pulpit committee demanded of me before they called me, we're not going to have any buses. That's what they told me. We're not going to have any buses. I said, okay. And so they called me. That was their first mistake. And so I knew, I thought maybe if I offered that to the church for a vote, probably more than likely they'd vote no buses. Would you say that? So why in the world have a vote if they're not going to vote for buses? So I just went and bought one and sat on the parking lot Sunday morning so they all could walk by it and get in the front door. You say that make anybody mad? No, that was a Baptist church. People don't get mad in Baptist churches. You say, what happened? Well, that's when I went into evangelism. (laughs) Not really. Not really. And I was so vindictive about it. I sat at the window and watched the folks as they walked by the butts and watched their facial expressions as they... Shake their head and say, surely he didn't. And they all walked in the church. Sat down. Not a word was said. I just preached and we had folks saved. And then before leaving, I said, did you notice anything unusual in the parking lot as you walked by? Everybody in the house woke up because they had been sleeping for an hour. And I said, well, since I bought it, don't you think we ought to pay for it? And I'll give the first hundred, and we raised enough money right there to pay for the bus. Now, that's how we vote. You're welcome. Then I started praying for a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman to work the bus route. Because I could not afford a failure on the first bus. So I started praying for a guy that could lock down the deal. You know, mama don't want the vacuum cleaner, but she has to buy it anyhow. Because this guy is such a good son. That's the guy I wanted to surrender to work our first bus. That's, God always answers prayer. Now I preached on buses. Gave an invitation Coming down the aisle was a crippled lady dragging her foot like this. Her arm was drawn. She could not even write. And I said, dear God, I hope and pray she's coming to be healed. 
Lord, I don't need a crippled lady on this bus route. You never guess what she's surrendering to do. Yep. Work the bus route. I lost my compassion, my composure. I just knew that evangelism was getting closer than ever. And that lady drug that leg, could not even write the children's name because of her distraught arm. She drug her leg up and down the streets of Bellmead, Texas, put 50 kids on that bus the first Sunday. Sensitive. Sensitive to the opportunity. Sensitive to the need. Whenever I sat with her good legs and her strong arms, she said, I ain't much, but all I am, I'll give it to God. Scores of bus kids and moms and dads began to flood the aisles, get saved. They watched that lady drag that leg and walk up to the door and in a tongue-tied way. I'm bitching for the bus. When I get to heaven, I hope she's already walked by the judgment seat of Christ when I get there because I'm going to be terribly embarrassed. wonder how you'll feel. Sensitive to God's leading and open to God's wonderful opportunity.